Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast. These are the public episodes, but do you want to hear more? Become an insider for access to extended guest conversations, follow-up episodes with your questions, and other deep dives. Visit moversmindset.com slash insiders. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Hi, I'm Vila Leppinen. Vila Leppinen is an active, lifelong learner. For him, finding the right questions, whether that process is pleasant or unpleasant, is what enables him to move along his path. Vila is deeply involved in the Finnish parkour community and is driven by his passion to move the community forward. Welcome, Vila. Thank you, Craig. Vila, there are two things that struck me as extremely interesting when I had the chance to train with you. And the first one is that you really like to use tools or, or pieces of equipment to help facilitate your teaching. And it's not a bad thing. It was just unusual. And the second thing is you have evil QM drills. So what I want to know is how did you get into tools? Like the little slips of paper was brilliant. And like, can you tell me what, like, give me an example of a tool that you like to use and, and why? Um, I guess my process with tools is um, I can I find something that's interesting, or or actually it's better if it's not interesting the tool itself. And then the process is I try to find interesting things to do with it and uh, experiment if it has any value for our for our practice. Um, I think in my like when I coach and when I'm teaching, I experiment a lot. It's like an it's like a lab environment. So I'm I'm trying new <laughs> things out and everybody's being a guinea pig for That's me. That's because that explains the guinea pig feeling. Yeah, I had, the guinea right? pig feeling definitely like um the, the stuff we did with the strings, it was the first time I tried that mm-hmm. ever with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um so for me the process is okay. I have this idea and I have no idea is it any good? Will it work? Will it be interesting? But what the hell let's let's give it a go. Let's try and see what happens and um, sometimes you get really cool results, <laughs> and sometimes, you just sometimes, sweat a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes you you sweat and get frustrated, and sometimes, uh, if you keep working with the tools long enough, interesting things come out like further in the process, and not, and it's not uh, necessarily the thing that you thought you were going to use them for. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's the tools, um, like kind of my philosophy with using different tools, and also. Um, we're working a lot using our environment and moving with just our own body. So um, it's just another way to bring variation. And like now that I'm doing uh, coaching here in the US, um, I like to share things that maybe people don't do too much here. Um, but now that you've done a couple of sessions with me, it's not like all of my sessions are like that with funky tools. <laughs> I do regular <laughs> sessions too. <laughs> But I just like to bring out the weird stuff because usually people don't mm-hmm. get to experience that in their normal training. Vila, I understand your background is in sports science, and can you give me a little bit about that background? And that might lead me into a question I have about interval training. <laughs> for sure. Um, so I did study for for three years of sports science in in the only university in Finland that teaches it, where they have a, like a curriculum for it. Um, so like I dropped out or or my studies are pending at the moment, which I'm super proud of. Um, my rationale behind uh, like my takeaway from studying sports science is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I implement this into parkour training, which is a lot of times it's not based on That's like research piece, right It is it is and um, like 
it's re- reinventing the wheel in many ways. Like we can look at like what runners have done to increase their endurance. And like for us, it's if you want to increase your endurance, you just do crazy long QM challenges. And that's how you, uh, that's the mindset of the tracer. So maybe my goal there is doing parkour training um, that is based on research and based on the science um, is to kind of have the same spirit of parkour, Mm -hmm. um, but still be based on the research and knowledge about how actually the body works and how actually we can get better results with the training, kind of get a balance between the two worlds. Right. If you're going to do one unit of work, why not get two units of results? Yeah, just make it smarter. Because I, I love the mindset and I love the spirit of doing like parkour conditioning. But from uh, from the research point of view and from from that perspective, it doesn't make too much sense um, always about what people are trying to actually achieve with the training. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, let's that's can you unpack um, like just a basic first pass at interval training to give a, to give me like a view of how it works like physiologically like what's going on and what are the time frames that would be more useful? Um, so with interval training, the basic um, there are three variables. Um, you have the intensity mm-hmm. of how hard you're working, and then there's the period of time you're working. And then there is the amount of time you rest between right, each, your recovery each, window. Yeah, your recovery time. And um, so if you're trying to build your capacity to work at a, a higher intensity, so um, like going for speed routes where you're going close to your maximal intensity, mm-hmm. um, then you go for shorter intervals and then you need longer times of rest. Um, okay. A good... Um, you can you could categorize them and like have the times they change from in in the literature and from different people a lot, but I would say like between thirty seconds to one and a half minute, like that range. Do some some route or some exercise that's and, really and taxing. What, like what rough bracket of like effort percentage? Um, when we're working that short of time, like around a minute, a minute or under, yeah. then you would you would want to go. Um, around ninety to maybe even a hundred, but you can't reach a hundred because it's right. working. Re- it's a long time to be working at your maximal intensity. So I'd say like ninety to ninety-five. Yeah, that's a hard push. Thirty seconds. That's a you very hard push. Hard, right? Yeah, and you should feel pretty bad at the end of each <laughs> interval. I can vouch for feeling pretty bad at the end of your intervals. Yes, <laughs> that's good. You feel great after the training, but during <laughs> right. it, it's okay. It's okay to feel bad then. Um, and then if you want to go for a little longer term, which will which is better for building your overall endurance, mm-hmm. um, to put in layman's terms, your aerobic capacity, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is useful for maybe the longer QM challenges, just mm-hmm. to keep going, 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 going. Um, you increase the time of the work and you decrease the time for recovery. So you, so you would pick out something like a longer lap that's not too intense, go for three to five minutes mm-hmm. per lap and then have a minute to... I think a minute is a is a good rough um, bracket for the for, for the recovery, the recovery time because yeah. you'd be working like the intention then is a lower a lower intensity target. Yeah, on yeah. That you don't want to go too fast because then you'll burn yourself out and you can't finish the training. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about success for a second. If I yeah. say successful, who's the first person that comes to mind? It's a tough one. I don't. I don't think I have uh, anyone there mm-hmm. who I have as a. Like a, a statue example Somebody of being successful. 
Is that because um, you don't have a definition definition of success, or is that because of how you work towards success, or why? I think success is is uh, so much a personal thing for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I would have a different definition for being successful than you would. It depends on my goals. I think I measure success through where I'm at um, with my goals, like or in regard to towards my goals. Mm-hmm. And not like I can't generalize what success is. Mm. So for me, it's like you're successful or you're in a good place in your life when you are, you feel like you have interesting things to do. You're moving along a path that you find is good for you, it's productive, and you're, you're creating value to yourself, but also to the, to the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and not taking anything away. Like you don't, you don't want to be a, Someone who takes away and doesn't give anything back. You yeah, a consumer of energy, a, yeah, a negative yeah. source. But but people can have different different goals. Like for some, it might be to, uh, um, in the parkour world, it might be to to run a successful parkour business and be able to live a certain lifestyle out of that. And that lifestyle will will vary a lot from people to people. Like somebody will be fine with with. Um, like a nice tiny studio apartment and having your gym and not making a ton of money mm-hmm. and some people will want to like have that be a, a curie, uh, like a proper career right and it differs um, differs from person person to person you said to me randomly at one point that the finns disprefer confrontation and you actually presented it as if it was a bit of a, a flaw or a blind spot for them. And I would say that Americans are probably really good at confrontation. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are and how that reflects into the parkour community. So I'm guessing that the Finnish parkour community would be colored by that national aspect. And I know our parkour community is clearly colored by that aspect here. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, on your, you have a unique perspective uh, on those two points of view, those two communities. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. I'm not sure if it's a nice thing to say about my own own culture. They try to uh, avoid conflict, but it is it is true in a way. I think the the unique thing about the Finnish parkour community is that, like, the minute that people started training when they first saw videos of David and the Yamakaze mm-hmm. and got inspired to go out and train, um, like immediately within within just a few months or the first month. We created an, a national association. Oh, see that explains. I'm like, why is the Finnish parkour community so far ahead of everybody else in terms of like cohesion and organization? And yeah, uh, that's, that's the reason. But that's also like what we do in Finland is like, there's something new pops up. Okay, let's do an association around it. That's the mindset we have um, to kind of create some organization around it. Um, and maybe that comes from a from the cultural thing that. We're we're not like competing against each other. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to create an, a system where we have these groups that are kind of pulling in different directions. Yeah, or? pulling in different directions and like figuring out who's going to be um, taking the leadership role mm-hmm. in the in the bigger picture. But it's like everybody, all the different groups. So there was like six different groups who started around the same time. They all came together and like formed the association. Um, and that that. I think has left kind of a unique stamp on the Finnish parkour community because um, because of the history that we had the associate association like right from the beginning, and um, that's that's kept the the community pretty unified. Mm-hmm. 
but sometimes um, um, you need to have conflict. Or right. this is my personal take. Right, in right, it. right. Like you have the difficult questions, and I think we're getting better at them um, because uh, if the way to avoid conflict and confrontation is to be quiet about it, is which is the, the way sometimes we Finns go about things, which may not be a positive way to go about things is just to avoid the hard mm-hmm. things that's in in front of you um but i think i think our community has learned to also like over the years to face those more difficult situations and and still have that that unity and and that sense that okay we don't need like all the different groups and local communities mm-hmm. don't need to agree with everybody on the different organizations they don't need to be Identical. Yeah, photocopies. We just yeah, but still, we are stronger together than mm. Mm, than if we would kind of be doing a rat race. Right. See, now I'm immediately drawn to the question. Wait a second. Is that also why the Finnish parkour community is so strong? Because they each person individually was drawn to parkour because it makes them address physical objective challenge. And that might have been like an inner yearning that at some deep, deep level, they all had that like, eh, sometimes we skip the hard work in social life. Now, I'm just guessing here, but like mm-hmm. sometimes they skip the hard work in our social lives. And parkour is this thing that I can go out, literally go out physically and go right at the physical challenge. I, I'm just thinking out, you know, off the top of my it's head. It's a good question. You know, um, I don't know that I have. I don't have an answer to that. I'm, I'm not trying to pin you down either. <laughs> I don't want to speak for for the for the whole Finnish parkour community, um, but there may might be a slight sense of true mm-hmm. truth there. Uh, personally, at least, mm-hmm. that um, going out and physically doing um, facing challenges and overcoming hard situations uh, have at least helped me. To, to look at other aspects, whether it be like, okay, I'm having a hard time making this phone call because uh, there's a side of me that doesn't want to interact yeah, with that person I, I and there's a, there's, a, there's a hard thing. It's like, okay, I've been, I'm able to do this jump that's really scary to me and go through that <laughs> process. Like, like come okay. on, I can call the auto mechanic and ask yeah. why it's $12 instead of eight, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, not always be too agreeable. Mm-hmm. Vila, you've been uh, in the States now for your parkour travels for two, three weeks now. And of course, the obvious question is, so what do you think? Like, is there something, is there anything in particular about our communities or communities specifically that jumped out at you as maybe something that is foreign or? Um, What's interesting to me is how it feels very similar to the European parkour communities in many ways. Mm-hmm. There's more similarities than differences. Mm-hmm. I think it, um, that's, that has something to say about just parkour as a, as a discipline in general. Like it doesn't matter where you go, you still kind of have that same feeling no matter, <laughs> no matter what. Truth truth, right? <laughs> but then there are, then there are um, like differences. Everybody is, um, I, f- I find it more diverse here maybe mm-hmm. than in, in lots of, Lots of places. Do you mean diverse in skill sets, diverse in cultures of the people participating? Well, the demographics and the culture of people uh, participating. And also the, the level of professionalism and, and running events. I felt like um, American Rendezvous 18 was one of the better run events mm-hmm. like I've ever been to. Um, which is that you guys have a really 
like got that professional mindset and organization down uh, side of things like really, mm-hmm. really in your pocket. If there was one thing that you could ask all the listeners to do or to think about or to try, um, what would be something that would jump out at you? Like, I wish everybody would go. I wish, um, I think people should go, parkour practitioners should go and try disciplines outside of parkour, like Mm -hmm. do other sports, do other activities Mm -hmm. and find other communities. Um, and find a perspective, like because we we live in a bubble, right, mm-hmm. within the parkour community where everyone is yes. like minded and friendly and welcoming, and and we all have the same vision. So the we have all the same visions, me. but we also like share the same flaws in a, in a way, mm-hmm. and it, maybe we're not always aware of them. The same blind spots, right? Yeah, the same blind spots. Blind spots is more. Um, it's not that negative as flaws because they're not they're not necessarily flaws. <laughs> Sorry, Craig wordsmithing. Sorry, <laughs> that's great. Um, so I think it's really helpful to to go um, to go to other mm-hmm. other communities and see how they do things because there there you can learn a lot. Like for me, um, when we were, we started building the Finnish coaching certification system, I got involved in this um, think tank mm-hmm. um, with all the different different sports. We had all the different sports in Finland and the mm, the head okay, of their right. like coaching development systems. And just talking about coaching, and and I got so much about just talking about <laughs> talking to blown. Yeah, right? talking with coaches from from different sports, not just because uh, when you're working with parkour coaches, it's um there's a certain dialogue, and it's it's a very interesting dialogue, yeah. and I I love those discussions. But then like they come in and they have totally different perspectives, and my mind is racing like oh whoa, whoa I can pick this up and right. I can pick this up, and how would that fit in a parkour system? And it's like. Mm, a little bit the same as like studying sports science is going outside the bubble of where I am and trying to look within, look inside from from the outside and mm-hmm. see what I like and like bring new things inside and how that evolves, um, how that how that can help um, the discipline evolve and. Yeah, for the better of the community. Yeah, it works at three levels. You can, Im- yeah. you can improve the community, you can improve your teaching, and then you can also improve yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Vila, is there a story you'd like to share? Sure. Um, it dates back to the beginning of my training, uh, my first big event. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a annual event in Finland called the Supreme Parkour Armageddon. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, or that's the original name. And then there's a tradition of making it longer every year. And now it's like, <laughs> that's great. Y- y- you add a word every year. And now uh, we had the 10 year anniversary this year. Uh-huh. Um, so I assume the name's in Finnish. What's the name in Finnish? No, it's actually in English. Um, the name's too long. I can't remember it. <laughs> But it sounds it, like one of your conditioning sessions. I I can't remember it. <laughs> it's like eighteen words long now. Oh my god! Or something. It's getting ridiculous. The joke is that the, like the event shirt is finally. It's just going to be text on the on the front, and then <laughs> in fifty it. years, it's going to be on back. It's just around in circles. <laughs> but that's not the story. Um, so we had like one of the first ones. Maybe it was the first or the second, and it was my first big event. I was like sixteen year old, and we had Forrest and Dan and Stefan. Mm-hmm. Um, coaching from Parkour Generations, and I was a bright-eyed 
fanboy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who knew, I actually didn't know who they were until they came up there. But we had the the, the trainings and they led some pretty awesome sessions. And I was like, ah, oh, really giddy about right. oh, these are some like parkour superheroes. Really looking up to them. And of course, we're in Finland, so a part of the thing is that we do sauna mm-hmm. um, at the day of of the Saturday trainings. So we were at this place. Um, by the lake, like a little pond, freezing pond where people go ice swimming, and then we had, um, of course, we took took the guests there too. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, so it's just this picture in my mind of seeing um, really strong Frenchmen, one of the uh, OG guys like Stefan and Forrest, really, really struggling and like saying. Um, Things I can't say here on air. <laughs> this is a little chilly, right? Yeah. <laughs> trying, trying to get in the water and um, seeing them struggle with that after them destroying us like in an hour-long warm-up and everybody's mm-hmm. totally wrecked. And, and then we're like, ooh, nice ice-cold water. Let's go dip in, right. like do that five times. Right. Yeah, and then and they're there like having a really hard time just getting in, shouting vulgarities. <laughs> <laughs> So that gave me a lot of motivation. Um, I think the the moral of the story that it taught me, like from okay, all these like big guys and the original practitioners, the founders, they're they're people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a similar story we had in another Armageddon event when we had Jan over. Um, so of course he had to make a challenge of rolling in the snow. So he would uh, go in the sauna. Be like, okay, everybody, one minute in the snow. Right. Then we run out. He rolls in, uh, stays there for ten seconds. He's like, okay, too much, too okay, much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> and runs back into the hot sauna. You clearly like to use questions as tools, so you uh, either directly ask the questions of the students by presenting them with some sort of challenge, or you in entice them to come up with their own questions. Um, so this idea of questions being tools, how long have you had that idea? And maybe can you take me back to a point where, where Villa didn't have that, that idea of using questions? And like, how did you get from that version of you to the current version of you? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I think in school, in school I used to be a know-it-all, like a really annoying mm. know-it-all kid, you know? Mm. And I thought that the... Maybe going back to the success idea of, of success is I thought it, it is knowing the right answers mm-hmm. to everything. Like I I really I still like, um, but I used to really like being being correct, being right, having the the right knowledge. Um, but then I guess in in the parkour training and and being a coach, um, I'm being a bad coach if if I'm always right if I'm just um, Going up to the person and telling them, "Okay, this is how you need to do it. This is the correct way to do it," um, and kind of slowly, I guess, through through teaching years of teaching, um, it's evolved into like, how do I, how can I facilitate the process for for the learner, and without me being there, the the annoying know it all who. <laughs> just be better, right? <laughs> yeah, just be better or telling like, okay, this is exactly how you do it and then you become awesome. No, it's uh that's not very fun for people or it's it's not 
teaching them the process of kind of self-discovery and finding the strength in... in right, because it's not the answer that makes you better. It's yeah, the journey no. to find the answer yeah, that makes so you then better. It's kind of a personal challenge for me um, with a tenden- tendency to really like being correct, mm-hmm. to kind of try to not give out answers, try to think of the good questions um, for the students. And then when I start doing that, and when I started doing more and more in that in my teaching, having that be like a, a starting point, um, that explorative um, kind of experiment lab mm-hmm. kind of feel to things, um, I felt more connected with with the students, and then then I started to reflect that into my own practice too. Mm-hmm. It's about okay, I I don't need to know. Um, I don't need to have like knowledge or factual information about the training I'm doing or the correct technique. The the most interesting things come out when I ask a question and let that lead me somewhere. Whether it be like a movement puzzle or whether it be, um, can I pull something off like a project or anything? Right. Like, what would happen if I start? If I have an interesting starting point and then just ask, okay. What happens next? Right, and that the value in the process is yeah. not that it's always pleasant. That process could be quite unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, usually you learn most from the from the things where you have to face, um, where the question is quite frank, <laughs> and you can you can like shy away from it yeah. when you when you face it head on, and you find things that are maybe not pleasant for you, and you find some corners of you that you don't really like. Um, but like trying to be humble and honest in in front of those questions and kind of navigate the answer without having the pressure of being right, mm-hmm. without just seeing where it takes you. I, I find those have been the experience that experiences that have taught me the most. Is there one in particular that jumps out at you, like a, a lesson that you've learned maybe the hard way or maybe the easy way? I knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> <laughs> then your answer should be prepared. <laughs> no, the problem is that I don't have a prepared answer. Ah. Um, yeah, it's it's hard for me to think about one particular one because I feel like it's a it's a longer process. It's an ongoing process. It's not like I'm at some some Zen master point right now with all this funky outlook in life that mm-hmm. you you need to find the right questions to Beat find ball, your path. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm right in the in the middle of it, mm-hmm. or right, not even halfway, but somewhere in the beginning, just trying to figure out how to go about life in this way, and finding the questions and and seeing where it takes me. I think I think more of the life changing or kind of the real growth happens. Yeah, the real growth situations are the really juicy examples are are in are ahead of me still. Mm-hmm. Like they're not behind me. So that's why I don't have an example for you. Well, that's also an excellent point of view in general. <laughs> Just have that that idea of how your journey is going to go. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think you're going to be doing in 2038? 20 years out in the future. And I mean that both from a physically, you know, where do you think you might be and what might you be doing, but also from a, where do you see your path taking you mentally and philosophically? I hope that it's not too different from where I'm now. Um, I, I'd see that I get more and more mature in my, in my training Mm -hmm. in regards of like just taking better care of my body. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And because um, the goal, like the mindset I try to have in, in physical training and parkour training is that, okay, there's no rush. Um, if the end goal is to be a superhuman at 60 or 70 or 80, then there's plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of time to get there. And even even then, you like you don't have to have a like a, a super strict standard of what that's going to be. It's mm-hmm. just okay. I want to I want to enjoy my life to the fullest when I'm 80 or 70 and be able to move and play because that's what I love to do. It's it's why I can't like move away from parkour. It's because it's so much fun and I love the play and I love the. It just calls you back. Right? Yeah, it calls me back. Um, just by the nature of it. So I see myself playing more and more and more as I grow older, having more fun with movement, maybe becoming a more holistic movement in my in my in my own practice. Um I I'm probably gonna steer and try hopefully I keep this mindset and and kind of try other disciplines as well a lot, see what what they have to offer me. Mm-hmm. What movement has to offer me? Um, I'd like to think that I stick around in the community, um, probably not in the same role that I'm in now, but because innovation comes from the younger generations, and there's a there's a scary idea to me is like mm-hmm. if you if I'm I'm still there at sixty, then I'm the old fart who's telling <laughs> like this is this is how we back in my day we used to do it. yeah yeah this is how we did it no it needs to evolve it needs to change. Right. So the next generations need to need to come up, and I need to um, like have the humility to to let that happen, and and have them make yeah give them space to make the parkour community their community. what it's going to be at yeah, their community, how it's going to be for the, in in their generation mm-hmm. for their generation, yeah. But I still want to be involved. Like I want to I want to be there training with the young kids and mm-hmm. um, having fun, and maybe doing once in a while a. A crazy move, and they'd be yeah, like something oh, surprising. Damn. Like, where'd you get that from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Is there any particular lesson that you recall of your father teaching you? Mm, I think the most important thing that my father taught me was kind of a certain outlook to life. Mm, that it's important to keep. Uh, he would call it like a positive um, background vibe mm-hmm. with everything. Um, kind of as the basis of how you go about life um, doesn't mean that you need to strive for for being happy all the time, but like have that attitude of and hopefulness always present about like things are going to work out, and even if there's a like a harder patch you're going through, then still keeping that that positive vibe. Okay, it's it's going to eventually turn out for the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's been a lesson that's something that I've really tried to uh, to hold on to. Yeah. You recently came from New York City and mm. um and you actually happened to be there over the 4th of July weekend. Um what what's like something about New York City that just was like oh my goodness I didn't expect that. The touristy answer is that ah oh, it's just like the movies but that's surreal. <laughs> like we of course in Europe we see so many American movies and um, just walking around in, in New York is every every street corner is like what it's really like this <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, actually it's the same r- that it is in the movies, movies and yes. that that blows me away 
there. Um, but it's an amazing city and so vibrant. And, and of course, being there with the locals and um, they know all the right places to eat and they know where to go. So <laughs> I'm like bugging them for recommendations and get the best, best, nice uh, restaurants to get the best food um, to kind of really experience. Uh, for me, like I don't really like being a tourist. Mm-hmm. That's kind of boring. But when you have the chance to hang around with people who live there, then you can kind of get the vibe and get the feel of what, what right. their day-to-day life is. That's what's interesting to me. Mm. And experience um, like what's life like for them, mm. what they do day-to-day. And um, the New York parkour community was... Um, it was funny. I had the feeling because they do the Tuesday community sessions, and we ran two of them with Jesse together, and uh, we got a pretty good like. Felt like we we're on the same same wavelength. Right. Um, the feeling of coaching with somebody who also likes to experiment with somebody, and having a community who is tuned into that. Yeah, they're open to that. <laughs> they're very open to that. So that that felt like. After the first year, I was like, oh, this was just like back at home, <laughs> which was really cool. Like I can be on the other side of the world and in a, in a huge, a totally different environment, a totally different environment with training in, in parks, with people there working out and <laughs> going around with their busy days. Like back home, if, we, if we're training outside, there's usually nobody there. Right. It's just us and still have the same, the same vibe going right. around. So that was really cool for me. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? I know there's like a whole million things we could bring up, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a souvenir from the Finnish <laughs> parkour community that that um, or if we need had to export something to the to the rest of the world, like a local specialty, mm-hmm. um, would be our family classes. They're very very close to my heart personally. And I know that I know that the different communities run them all around the world now, but it's something I think we pioneered back home, and um, it's my personal favorite, definitely to coach mm-hmm. and bring the the joy of movement not not just to the kids or the adults, but have them move together. I I find that that's the place where we have um, the spirit of, spirit of our discipline um, brought out the best. Shines, shines through, shines the brightest, and the smiles on the faces of the of the kids and the parents. And I also find that it's um, so anyone who's a community leader, and if you're not running like family classes, I just uh, strongly recommend that um, because it's so much fun, and that's the way you can influence the parents too. If if they're doing the helicopter parenting thing, and right. you can uh, and slowly and slowly start to uh, affect their attitudes and show them the ways that how you can allow the kids the freedom of movement and the joy of movement, but then also give them tools to how to make it safe and how to make sure that they like. Of course, you want to protect your kids from right. from from injuring themselves. So to create an environment where they learn, have a good time together, play, enjoy movement. And over the years, the, the most 
the best bonds between students I've had and the the coolest stories that are to follow that I, I've got the chance to follow okay. are usually is like this kid comes he's three years old and they start at a family class and then they the parent gets super excited about the sport maybe after two or three years that they've been going to the family class they start training themselves and get more and more into it and then the the kids goes on to the kids classes and further and then they're teenagers and then right. when they're teenager and their parents are growing older too but they all keep training together hmm. and coming to open gyms or whatever and just sharing sharing the movement and kind of that that feels very special to me when uh when that happens in those those cases so that's uh it reminds me at least like why why I love this why I love doing it and why I love yeah, being involved in this in this community and of course the final question is three words to describe your practice I think my first word um it's either sisu which is a finnish thing mm-hmm. or stubbornness <laughs> which um they're they're very closely okay. related um yeah, people can look up Sisu what it means. <laughs> can you spell it for us? S I S U. Okay, on the TV. <laughs> yeah, it's something uh, we're very very proud of. Mm, homework. Look yeah, up Sisu. homework. Yeah, um, but it's cl- related to perseverance, um, borderlining stubbornness. Mm-hmm. Um, I can be a stubborn person, and I think my practice, just sticking in the practice and staying in parkour, is 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 stubbornness, and also. It, stubbornness helps me in in long challenges, <laughs> sticking with things. So I think that's one one of the words. Um, then another one would be me time. <laughs> yes, with um, training and and playing and moving is. Something that I like to remind to myself: Okay, this is time for me where I'm not working or doing things for the community, for other people, doing coaching, being there for the students. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I'm doing whatever related to to practicing or training, it's I'm doing it then for myself, which is an important balance to have. Even if the goal is to to also be there for other people and to give out and and, and share. But you also need your own personal time and personal space, and that's that's what training is at its best for me. And um, the third one would be play. Mm. I don't think that needs a further explanation. Oh, Just play. Thank you very much. It's a delight to talk to you, Vila. Thank you, Craig. It was an absolute pleasure. Want more? Check out moversmindset.com slash insiders for a bunch of additional features. This was episode 21. For the show notes and full transcript, go to moversmindset.com slash 21. Thanks for listening.